0: Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Right now, small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. Every hire is critical. Go to Indeed, the number one job site in the world, get a free $75 credit at indeed.com/applebits. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And thanks to Headspace for also supporting the Apple Bits XL. Life can be stressful even under normal circumstances. 2020 has just challenged even the most difficult times of life for a free one month trial go to headspace.com All apple bits all right everybody let's get to the show uh yeah what's up everybody welcome to the show it's the apple bits XL. brian tong here your host doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of apple welcome if you're new to the show, we welcome you with open arms. This is kind of the weekly, all the top stories, all the big news kind of around Apple and what is happening. The biggest news obviously has to be the new MacBook Pro. There's the MacBook Air. There's a the new Mac Mini. So I brought in guests, Joe Chiplinski, friend of the show. He's been here before. We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about the new HomePod Mini. Uh, we're going to talk about some other things about um, developers and all of these products. Just a lot of back and forth in our first takes and kind of a informal review of the M1 MacBook Pro specifically and our experiences just with the processor and just how amazing this thing is. So you want to stick around for that. That's going to come up. But obviously, this show is all about you all. To be a part of it, all you have to do is record a voice memo on whatever app, phone, device, platform you have. Send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's AppleBits with a Z. And we'll talk all about it. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you can support the show. I'm so grateful for all of your support. But here's the big benefits. Real quick, you get early access to content. You get exclusives at different levels. And the biggest thing, a completely ad-free version of the show. You don't hear any of the ads. You don't hear any of this. So Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how to support it. All right, everybody. Let's just get into this. Joe and I talking M1. M1 M1 What's up everybody? Friend of the show, back at it again, Joe Chaplinski, my own friend and again, friend of the Apple Bits XL. What's up, Joe?
1: Hey, how's it going, Brian?
0: Doing good, doing good. So, uh just again, <laughs> we got to do the obligatory to get people to kind of know your background and a little bit about yourself that don't know already. Please mm-hmm. uh, talk about yourself.
1: <laughs> my favorite thing in the world to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a developer, uh, independent developer, working in you know, iOS-type stuff for many, many years now. Uh, I knew I knew you from back in the day when we were at the Apple Store together. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've, I've got a podcast called Release Notes uh, that uh, airs every Monday. Uh, that, but my friend Charles and I talk about business-type stuff, small independent developer type of topics, basically. So we, we had fun with this week's episode with all this new Apple stuff going on.
0: Oh, there's so much stuff. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about probably and touch upon some of the topics that you guys talked over there. But I do want to start this week with, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm going to let you talk because some people here have probably already seen my review. I would love to hear mm-hmm. about your M1 experience, which product you got, and then just- let me hear what your thoughts are on it.
1: Yeah, so I picked up a new M1 MacBook Pro, 13 inch, the, the whatever the highest possible configuration of it I could get, uh, which is basically the 16 gigs of RAM. It's the eight core, uh, you know, with the fan, so I can I could do things that take you know, more than ten minutes or so without getting throttled or whatever that the case may be. Uh, and I've had it for a few days now, and I absolutely love it. Uh, it is. Amazing. And I knew I bought it knowing full well that this is really the replacement for the low end 13 mm-hmm. inch power book or MacBook pro. Um, and, but I, I thought it's going to be faster than my, my fastest 13 inch pro anyway. So I decided to go ahead and go for it. And other than the fact that it only has two ports, I mean, you'd never know that this, thing, I mean, this is faster than my MacBook pro, my old one, uh, my old one, which was a 2020, by the way, the, the very beginning of 2020 uh, you, you'd never know that, you know, this is in any way, a lesser machine. It's if, if anything, it, it smokes it in every thing that I throw at it. So it's, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. For me. So I have, and because, you know, I'm editing video constantly, 4K video, blah, blah, blah. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I have a 16-inch MacBook Pro from what it was late 2019, the most recent model, fully maxed out at everything. So best video card, 64 gigs of RAM, highest level processor. I think it's an eight core i9 at the time. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, for just anecdotal evidence, when you say like it's crushing it, for example, I had rendered out a uh, a video file on my earlier 16-inch MacBook Pro. It took me about eight minutes and 16 seconds. Mm-hmm. I rendered out that same file on a 13-inch new M1 MacBook Pro with only eight gigs of RAM. It finished that task in six minutes. Wow. <laughs> and if you want to talk, you know, when you, when you talk about like, you know, because depending on what type of tasks you do, you can feel when it's faster, but when you can literally see... Wow, I gained like twenty-five percent of my time back from that. Mm. That from from the highest highest end machine, which by the way, maxed out after tax is over fifty five hundred dollars. Okay. And right. we're talking about a 13 inch MacBook Pro with eight gigs of RAM and the M1 and that price point forget about the capacity storage, basically starting at twelve ninety nine. That's yeah. that's insane.
1: <laughs> it truly is. Even and even my maxed out version was only twenty five hundred. That's total, which is shocked me. To be honest with you, I mean, uh, I think I paid at least thirty two hundred or something like that for the for the previous generations top of the line uh, MacBook Pro. I had thirty two gigs of RAM. The whole thing, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. This thing is just, uh, it, you know, it's it's just amazing, and it feels. Cool and awesome to be excited about the Mac getting faster again. I mean, it's been a long time since desktops really got noticeably faster. I mean, back in the day when you and I were, you know, at the store or whatever, I used to buy a new laptop every nine months because hey, I didn't have iPhones and iPods and (laughs) watches and other things to buy from Apple. Um, so this is like the one Apple product I would buy every year. And I remember like thinking that yeah, every time i get the new machine, I'd be like, hey, this is actually faster. This feels good. Mm -hmm. And it's been a long time since any new machine, I would get new machines every couple. Years, you know, just because you're supposed to, but I, uh, and you know, it's a tax write-off for me. But I really didn't feel like it was like the, the machine was getting any faster by any stretch, you know, not, not any noticeable way, right? Mm-hmm. So
0: is, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry.
1: No. So I'm just saying this is just, it's an exciting time. Uh, It's really cool to see this because, you know, this is going to spread everywhere. I mean, it's only a matter of time before we get this kind of a chip into whatever the your replacement for your 16 inch is going to be insanely fast. It's going to just, you know, it'll take that six minute file and probably do it in two. Uh, So it's just really cool to see this going on. And um, I think it's going to have to have an effect on the whole industry. I I, I would have to think that Intel is going to have to, do something or (laughs) AMD. I don't know who else wants to get into arm chip management or or creation, but someone's going to have to do this because they're not going to let Apple just run away with, with performance. I don't know.
0: You know, you hit on two really good points because one of them is that just like you, you know, before, before the announcement, I was actually already excited because, you know, you kind of see pieces of the puzzle, but you don't ever, I didn't, I never believed it could be this perform this fast at this level. And then also, we didn't even talk about the fact that you're getting 20 hours of battery life or roughly right. you know, on, on a machine <laughs> like that. Like you're basically doubling the battery life with uh, superior power, right? That it never gets that good where you get, you know, generational, I how about this? And even paradigm shifting speed and double the battery life. That doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. I, and that's the thing. Apple's battery claims have always been like dubious at best, <laughs> especially when you're doing stuff like, you know, I'm on, I'm on Xcode all day. And when you're, compiling apps, Uh, you know, I'm lucky with my older Intel machines, I I was always lucky to get like maybe three hours of battery out of it, even though they were saying five to 10. And yeah, yesterday, I was I was, you know, just for the heck of it. I'm like, "Eh, I don't need to plug in. Let's see what happens. I was going several I recorded a podcast with a, a USB powered mic. Uh, I did you know, lots of, all the normal types of, uh, Xcode stuff that I would normally be doing. I was surfing the web. I had like eight or nine different apps open. I was doing all kinds of things. And every time I looked up at the battery meter, it was still sitting around 80, 85%. I was like, what, this is nuts. <laughs> like, so yeah, I have a feeling I haven't done like a real stress test on it yet, but I have a feeling it's going to be easily double my battery life, which is more than enough for, for me considering what I'm used to. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, that's just amazing to me. And the other thing is like, we talked about having a fan in the 13 inch pro, it, you know, so you could do those sustained things. I haven't heard it turned on yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, honestly, like my my fan on my old 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro would, would go off in a heartbeat. I'd be copying files and the fan would spin up. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, whereas this thing I have yet to hear. And so it, it, I, you forget what that's like to actually have a really quiet working environment. It's actually, it, that noise is more just disruptive than you than you think it is.
0: And there's so many things, you know, I think when some people casually saw this, Cause I got it on my review a lot. They're like, "But it looks exactly the same," and I said, <laughs> "You need to use this machine before you even go there." Because right. I think anyone that uses this machine could care less that it looks exactly the same. I there are so many amazing, you know, you know, shift like benefits that we. Have always wanted and you could just never think that they all exist right to your point the fan not turning on okay you run <laughs> my my 16 inch fan probably is on i would argue 75 percent of the time mm-hmm. if not more okay the macbook 13 only would turn on maybe like in the second half of rendering that file especially things where it typically always will run on my 16 inch you know for fun these are not um day-to-day anecdotal metrics but we always like benchmarks running a geek bench five benchmarks at least gives you a statistical data point of where it is compared to the rest of the industry. And every time you run that geek bench benchmark, the fan will go off at its peak towards the end of that test. Okay. So when I ran it on the 13 inch and I run this test 10 times just to get a general average score from those 10 times, not one time did that fan go on during the benchmark. That's amazing, right? And so, yeah. you take for granted, like you said, some of these things. But when you use this machine, you won't even you won't even blink twice about the fact that "quote unquote" it looks the same, and it still looks great. Like if you want to complain about the bezel, fine; that'll happen eventually. But it does mm-hmm. not hurt the the machine. Already looks really good. <laughs> Yeah, I totally
1: agree. I mean, It's funny to me because people will complain that Apple, you know, can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Oh, they're, they're trying to juggle too many things at once. They're trying to do too many things. And then they're like, wait, wait, what do you mean you replaced all the internals and you didn't redesign the entire chassis as well? Like, well, you know, let them do one thing at a time, you know, for once, uh, you know, and honestly, I, I agree with you. I think the MacBook is an iconic looking machine there's not a whole lot i would change about this thing i agree with you smaller bezels which you they got they did on the 16 inch they haven't done it yet on the 13 i imagine that's coming eventually uh you know other than other than putting in a real webcam let's face it that's we could still <laughs> knock apple for the webcam the web i mean i know they're doing the whatever so the garbage. computational yeah they're doing the computational photography whatever it still looks terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, they got better microphones in there now, you know, and speakers are good. But yeah, but to me, honestly, and I don't even care at this point if they want to put a, a camera bump on the back of the lid or whatever to get a decent camera in there. Please do it, Apple. You know, that's that's the only thing I want them to do to this machine, though. Honestly, like I love the touch bar. I know some people don't like it. Uh, I love the, the new keyboard. I got used to it. Yeah, you know, I, I like the old one, but, you know, I, I didn't like that it was breaking down on people. So I think they solved the keyboard issue. Um, there's really not a whole lot to change in this machine. I mean, to me, it's it, it's light. It's. Sleek. Uh, I even got it in the original silver because I I I don't know. I kind of just I I was nostalgic about the old school silver. <laughs> I've been getting the uh, space gray for a while now, and I just decided to go back to the silver. And I'm actually it it, it matches my uh my Pro Display XDR a little better, so that's I, I like true. it.
0: True. Ooh, and that, okay. So you know, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, the fact that you can actually just di- that's the thing with this model. Oh yeah. By the way, you can plug it directly in the XDR display too. I mean, you it's it's a pro machine.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's awesome too because it gives me the portability I want when I am I mean not these days, right? We can't get around that yeah. much. But uh you yeah, know, I I am a laptop person. I really like to uh, just go to it. I'll just sit outside on the balcony or whatever in, in the warmer months, you know, or I'll be, I'll go to coffee shops or whatever. I I move around with my machine quite a yeah. bit. But when I'm home and I want to plug in, you know, I know a lot of people like the 16-inch because of that bigger screen. But for me, I don't like lugging that around all the time. So my perfect machine is this 13-inch, like a smaller screen. And then when I'm home, I plug it into this giant 32-inch monstrosity. And it's like, okay, best of both worlds. Uh, and, it, yeah, it runs this thing like there's no tomorrow. I mean, it's it's absolutely beautiful. Um you know, it's 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 able to power this. It's was it, a weird limitation of the M1. My understanding is that it can only power one monitor, even if it's only sure. like a four K monitor or whatever. Sure. Uh, I don't know what what the technical limitation there was, but I was I'm not a two monitor kind of person anyway, so that was fine for me. Um, but yeah, it's it's it it, pl- it plays the, the you know runs everything right through the uh, the Pro Display XDR perfectly. It looks just gorgeous.
0: You know, the the other thing about this machine is I think a lot of people were some people forget in. I always have to temper when I talk about it. Look, the MacBook Pro 13-inch is arguably, you know, to me, one of the best machines, period, in the landscape of everything because of its design, because of what it can do, because of its form factor. I mean, it is really the sweet spot for any Apple user. If you, if you were someone in the ecosystem and you had to, like, throw out every product that was a laptop, I think most people will probably go towards the 13 inch. Now, now today they might some p- people might migrate over to the MacBook Air just because it's a little more cheaper and you mm-hmm. get arguably close to the same power, but still to me the 13 inch MacBook Pro whether you're on the high end, the middle end or even, you know, a very entry consumer level, that that one has always kind of been the model and for them to now bring it up to this level, I just I just shake my head and go Okay, this is this is the entry level, cons, kind of, quote unquote, consumer geared slash semi pro machines. I, I just, I'm whether it takes a year or two years for this transition to happen. You know, I, I'm just, I'm just waiting with for that sixteen inch to come out because <laughs> I don't. They already blew my mind, and I know they're gonna take it up another level. I already know this.
1: Yeah, you know? it's a, it's a given, right? <laughs> it's a guarantee, and. Yeah, it is. Good. Like I said, it's a very exciting times. And to to know that their first chip out of the gate is this great Jeez. and is this good, um, you know, it, it just gives you full confidence that, like, this transition was the right move. Uh, I'm sure everyone at Apple, all these you know, execs are giddy about this. <laughs> they must be uh, because, it, you know, it is going very smoothly as far as all can tell. I mean, th- and that's the other big thing that we're, we haven't talked about yet is, like, this big, sir, transition in the Apple mm-hmm. Silicon software. I don't know when I'm running an app that's an emulation in, under Rosetta and when I'm not. To be honest with you, like I, I've got, I can look at the list. I can see which ones are already universal binaries or, or specifically for Apple Silicon. That's great, but the apps that are running under Rosetta don't like. I'm running Photoshop and it, yep. I'm not running their new. Their new like they have a, a beta that's uh, like missing some features or whatever. I didn't install that. I just installed the regular Intel version. And it's doing Photoshop like it's Photoshop, right? It's easily as fast as my other machine was. So yeah, it's really incredible how smooth this transition was. I mean, I remember the Intel transition back in the Yikes. day from a developer standpoint. It was, it was work. It was definitely a little bit of work and it took a while. Uh, and emulation was emulation. You still felt it. It was, it was about as smooth as you can expect it to be in the, those days. But, uh, this time around, it's just, it, it's seamless. I don't think any user who's not technical, you know, not the kind of person who would no- normally notice these things, it would ever know the difference <laughs> that yeah, they wouldn't know that anything changed under the hood. And meanwhile, everything has changed under the hood. And even like from my own app standpoint to, to make, uh, the app, the couple of Mac apps that I've got out on the app store, uh, universal, I I literally just recompiled them with the new version of Xcode and they worked. Uh, I didn't have to do anything different, which is pretty wild. So, yeah, it's a real accomplishment uh, that they were able to make this that smooth. Uh, And then, of course, all the built-in Apple apps are already native. So that's that helps, too.
0: No, I I was going to ask you about that because, you know, I 100 percent agree with just how smooth this transition is. I mean, you you by now you start hearing people going, oh, this doesn't work. All this doesn't that doesn't work. You know, that, that example I gave you about the render I did, I forgot to tell you, I did it in Premiere. So I'm, I'm talking about a native Intel 16-inch MacBook Pro versus Rosetta 2 running Premiere and still right. getting me that huge gains in performance. And, you know, I just shook my head and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> this is not even optimized for the processor yet. I, it's, right. it's like, wow. <laughs> and then, you know, I've I have never jumped over to Final Cut Pro, so I can only imagine how apple's going to even accelerate that integration and pipeline just to serve final cut pro specifically because it's their app i'm just like okay maybe maybe when it, that new 16 inch comes out it's time for me to switch over finally even though i i'm so used to premiere it's things like this now where it's you're seeing absolute gains right in front of you that you cannot deny right and it's like i i got to do it
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that Adobe will do whatever they can with Premiere to, to make it optimized for Apple Silicon. But yeah, they have to wonder if like if if the guy writing Final Cut Pro can literally just call up the woman working on the chip over in the other department and say, like, hey, can we have this little thing and tweak the, you know, what I mean, like that, that integration, The, the knowing that the same company is building both the software and the hardware. Uh, yeah, you just have to wonder it like how much how much further can they take this and take it back to what you were saying before about how like they didn't change much about, about the MacBook, you know, the, the design's exactly the same. Like, well, yeah, because they were busy getting this chip and this software transition, and they're doing, you know, they also, by the way, they released new iPhones and they released other things, right? <laughs> they're doing a lot for, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and they can't even go to work, right? So, it's, you know, it's, It's a matter of time, though, before Apple starts saying, hey, we make the I mean, look how many customized things there are on the iPhone because Apple's been making the chips for this long. Right. That LiDAR sensor comes in and immediately the software takes advantage of it. Right. And so you're going to see a lot of that on the Mac as well, where they're going to be able to build things that no one else can build because they've they know which which chips are coming and they know what features they want and they can design the chip around the feature that they want to build. And that's that's really exciting and amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was super pumped before this whole thing happened. And like you, I'm, you know, in every video I've done about it, I'm just so juiced about what this means for the future because it's been hard to get excited about the Mac for a long time. I mean, we know they're beautiful machines in general. We know what they do. We know that for a lot of us that are using these, you know, to their full potential as pro machines and, you know, squeezing out that juice out of them. We typically love these machines because they are, you know, they are what allow us to do our job. So there's kind of a a different connection to that when it's, literally like my livelihood depends on my Mac. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just the, it's just the fact. Right. And so just like you, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, sometimes I'm speechless. Like I'm just so excited with what's going to happen here. There's going to be things that we never expected or even know about. They're going to throw at us and we're gonna be like, damn. And if the (laughs) ecosystem was already strong, it's give it another year or two. You're going to feel even more locked in because of all these amazing connections they're going to put together.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, I I feel like, you know, I I think a lot of people loved the old Apple that was an underdog. And yeah, I was there, you know, for all those years. In the 80s, I lived through the beleaguered 90s before jobs came back and all this stuff. Uh, You know, but they get upset because Apple now is a trillion dollar company, and they're getting bigger and bigger. I I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I think Apple is kind of unstoppable at this point. (laughs) I really do. Uh, And I, I think, though, that it, that doesn't mean they're going to stop innovating. It doesn't mean they're like. If anything, they're, it, the, there's no sign at all of them slowing down in terms of innovation, in terms of trying out new things. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah, very, very wild. Okay, so, um, I, I would guess, uh, you approve of the M1 and the MacBook Pro from, from what it sounds like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd say my only, my only complaint is that darn webcam, <laughs> but beyond
0: that, uh, it is, you know. it is bad. Like, you know, I don't know if you, uh, have how much you've used it, but I actually compared it to the previous Intel webcam. And I gotta say, I actually it's a little sharper, but the c- actual color balance and how it tries to brighten things up and it kind of looks like there's almost like a smudge of the camera with how it, it's uh, hmm. a lot kind of like softer in the way or like washed out. I still prefer even the camera on the Intel MacBook Pro.
1: It's funny. it kind of surprises me, but I think you're you're absolutely right. I, I I was I've only done a few meetings with it so far, but I kept every time I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I'm a little warmer than I want to be, and yeah. it's like it's just like unnaturally trying yeah. to fix things. Yeah. And yeah, I, I I I agree with you. Like I'd rather like have the option of maybe turning that stuff off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no,
0: absolutely. So yeah. okay. So that's the uh, M1 MacBook Pro for people that haven't seen my review or read other reviews or done. Like, you got to know by now. This is. This is amazing. It's an amazing machine. So let's talk about another product that just came out. I believe they started shipping them on Friday. I have mine. I've been playing around with mine. The HomePod Mini, I know. Now, you and I are big HomePod fans. We've talked about how amazing the sound is, but the Mini is a little different. So Mm -hmm. what are your impressions for it, first of all?
1: Yeah. So I bought one because I'm like running out of rooms in the house to have HomePods at this point. <laughs> I, have, I have one in the office. I got one in the bedroom and then I've got a, st- a stereo pair of the main HomePods nice. in, the, in the living room. And so I'm like, where am I going to put another HomePod? Uh, the bathroom? <laughs> I'm like, I can get away with putting one in the bathroom. I don't think she'll mind. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, we, we put one, uh, the mini in, in our master bathroom. And honestly, I'm, I'm really impressed with it. I think it sounds pretty darn good. For, I mean, it cannot match the sound of the big HomePod. I mean, Physics are physics, right? Uh, but for its size, I mean, I was shocked at how small it was. But when I saw the video, I don't know yeah. about you, but like, I had the impression in my head that it was like roughly one point five times what it actually is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a softball, basically. <laughs> like it's it's pretty small. It really fits in the palm of your hand, uh, and it just puts out pretty darn good sound. All things considered, I mean, it's not going to be as full and not as, as much deep bass, maybe. Um, but I've got no complaints about it. For ninety nine bucks, I think it's a it's a huge hit.
0: Yeah, I think what you say here, like the mids and the highs p- sound pretty darn close to what we hear from the actual HomePod HomePod. It's just kind of more the the deeper bass, but the sound emanating from that thing. I mean, like to your point, when they first announced it, I thought it might be about half the size of a HomePod, but it's like a right. third to a fourth of the size. I mean, it's really small. I yeah. mean, you feel like, oh, this is mini.
1: yeah exactly it really does live up to his name and then when you combine it throughout the house like you know i like turning on a song and then just having it play Mm. in every room and so when you're walking around from room to room and going from the the bathroom where the mini is over to the bedroom like it it just feels still full and and, uh you know you don't feel like it's it's lacking anything when it's it's combining that sound so i think it sounds great
0: damn you're living that life that sounds i i need it i need to get outfitted like that joe (laughs) that sounds that sounds good
1: yeah, just having audio all around the house is just a beautiful thing. And uh, it's it's awesome for parties, obviously, but I can't be doing that anytime soon. But yeah, it's like one of those things that it's just – it's been a dream of mine. I always thought I'd have to like buy a house and then wire speakers into the walls or something to get this sort of thing. But yeah, it just makes it pretty easy.
0: Also, this has got to be one of the easiest kind of gifts to give to someone this year. That's yeah. in the Apple ecosystem. This is – to me, it's a no-brainer, especially with how it sounds now. I'm just like, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the cheapest things you can buy someone from the Apple universe. That's for sure. Really? Uh, and you're right; it's it's it would be, I think, pretty well appreciated by uh, just about anyone because it really does sound great. Now you can play; it, you can use it with uh, through Spotify now too, as well as Apple Music. Right? So you don't have to have an Apple Music account. Am I right about that? I thought. I,
0: well, I made, think from from what I know, um, it's compatible with some services. I mean, you can you can airplay Spotify to it, but it doesn't okay. have native Spotify. Like, okay. you can't say play play BTS on Spotify. You have to, that you can't, but uh, Amazon music, I believe, and Pandora is okay. is native to it if you set it up, but not Spotify.
1: Okay. Well, I guess that'll happen eventually. But yeah, either way, I think it's it's just a great, little utility. And honestly, even the Siri side of it, like, it's microphones are remarkably good at picking mm-hmm. up your voice. I don't feel like I have to shout over the mm-hmm. music. If, if, even if I'm playing music rather loud, I can still just whisper the the normal command words and it, it'll pick it up and it pr- pretty much immediately, which is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, I haven't, honestly, I haven't been affected by the fact I'm so used to just airplane over Spotify. Now it's become mm-hmm. a habit, right? Right. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I hope, I hope, you know, Apple and Spotify have been playing nice. I mean, they put the Spotify app on the Apple Watch now where you don't have to be connected to your phone. Like if you just have your watch and Wi-Fi or if you have a watch and LTE, you can actually stream Spotify on the Apple Watch directly now, which wasn't the case before. Um, It depended on the phone. So I've got to imagine like what you said, they'll eventually make they'll get that connection for HomePod. Hopefully, I mean, I know they've had kind of some contentious beef with each other, but (laughs) business is business.
1: That's right. That's right. Money to be made money on the table. We do not want that to happen. So yeah, I, I could totally see not to mention that Apple uh, wants to avoid any kind of legal issues that they could run into in the future. So uh, I think it's in their best interest to, to work things out ultimately with Spotify and not to uh, not to show too much favoritism towards their own music service.
0: All right. Thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring this video. Resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It's as crucial in business as it is in health. And if you're in charge of hiring, it should be in every job description. Whether you're ready to make your next important hire or need some rehiring tips, Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com AppleBits. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And also a big thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this podcast as well. I don't know who needs to hear this, but here you go. You deserve to feel better than you do today, and you can with Headspace. They make meditation simple. Now, Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research so whatever the situation headspace can really help you feel better if you're overwhelmed headspace has a three minute sos meditation for you i've tried it and if you need some help falling asleep headspace has a wind down session that their members swear by and for parents headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids Headspace approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime Anywhere. Now, I like just how simple and clean the app is. It's really colorful. It's just not too busy. And I tried a bunch of the different meditations, but my favorite go to ones are feeling overwhelmed and burned out and trust me I need them both because you know during this tech season I've been going really hard on my own it just helps me slow down calms me down but then I have to get back to work but I think it always helps to just give you a moment to center yourself you deserve to feel happier and headspace is meditation made simple so go to headspace.com slash apple bits that's headspace.com applebits apple bits for a free one month trial with access to headspace's full library of meditations for every situation this is the best deal offered right now head to headspace.com slash AppleBits today and get a free one month trial. Yeah, just a, just a quick point before we move on. I forgot to mention this in regards to um, at least the MacBook and I guess you tie tied into macOS Big Sur. A lot of people have been asking me, okay, well, will the M1 support you know Windows emulation or PCs? And right now, you know, Apple says it won't support Boot Camp, but Craig Federighi had recently actually come out. I don't know if you heard this. I just read this today that getting native Windows on the M1 is really up to Microsoft because they do, it's up to them. They do have Windows that works on an ARM chip on their uh, Surface Pro X. Correct. So yeah. he's kind of throwing the ball in their court that's saying, hey, for people that are wondering why doesn't it support Windows at the moment? He said it's just up to Microsoft to do that.
1: Yeah. And it, honestly, if Microsoft is going to ultimately keep the surface line going and they might want to take a second crack at arm chips now that Apple's out there doing this, mm-hmm. uh, because people are going to be wondering what the buzz is all about. Right. And, uh, you know, Microsoft being able to pull away or at least have a, com- a competition with the Intel version of of Windows, uh, you know, I, I think that would, might be in their best interest. And I think I wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, maybe maybe it'll take a year or so, but I bet it'll happen.
0: Yeah. The The other thing is for people wondering, people have been asking me a lot. Um, for people that are running virtualization parallels, although they don't have an actual date, they have actually said they're working right now on a version of their app to run on an M1 machine. So they're basically saying, hey, you know, because everyone's wondering if it doesn't run bootcamp, if it doesn't support x86 architecture, what's gonna happen here? But at least to alleviate your concerns for the time being, we'll see when it comes out. Parallels is working on something too. So I mean that's a good sign. And and yep. they they need they need to play nice with the Apple ecosystem too. So I think that's a win-win for everyone involved. Okay, let's talk about some stories that I think you are most qualified to kind of talk about here. Apple had just announced that they were gonna reduce the app store cut to 15% for most developers. And we'll talk about those specific kind of benchmarks, but you know, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts on Apple making this move. And then I have some questions about it after I kind of hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so this came as a total shock to pretty much everyone.
0: <laughs> uh, Apple
1: did a really good job of keeping this one under wraps, I guess, because it's you know not something that would normally leak. There were probably only a handful of people that even knew it was going to happen. But yeah, Apple made this new, what they're calling a small business program, and, and you can apply for it. So you don't get it automatically. But if you're a small business developer, which basically means you make apps that make less than a million dollars. And it's not clear yet whether it's like you can have several apps, each making like a lot or like if it's app per app. Um, Or if you have like, you know, there's a lot of questions in in the air. So, you know, I mean, what if I have an app with you, like like the two of us partner and build an app, and then I I build another app with a different partner, right? And that one makes a million dollars. Does that mean you have to start paying 30? I don't know how it works. Uh, But uh, once we get the details, we'll know. But you apply, and they give you, they grant it to you. And basically, as long as you stay under the million dollar mark, then uh, you only pay fifteen percent instead of thirty uh, percent commission on uh, all of your down, you know, your in app purchases and any of your upfront payments and things of that nature. Uh, it doesn't change for subscriptions uh, in the. The current situation is basically that your subscriptions are 30% for the first year, and then they go to 15% after. Uh, so th- in this case, they'll just be at 15% the whole time. Uh, they won't go down to like 75 or something like that in the second mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So – um you know this is obviously a welcome change i think a lot of indie developers in particular like this is the kind of thing that a lot of small businesses a lot of people who uh, are independent independent developers like myself who build things for the app store we we get this kind of feeling that apple kind of ignores us right and the app store is really all about those 10, 11, you know, top notch games that make 99% of the money. Uh, and so Apple's has a tendency to kind of overlook us. Right. And like what we need isn't as important as what Amazon needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's a real example of Apple, like just doing something specifically for us. It doesn't help any of those, other, you know, including Epic and all these other companies that are really like slamming Apple right now. Uh but instead, just you know, they basically throw a bone to the, to the little guy for once, and I, 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 for one, appreciate that. I think it's great, uh, and I don't have any qualms about it. Now, there are some people that are saying like they wish it worked more like a progressive thing. Like, okay, what if you you just paid fifteen percent on your first million, and then if you make a million, like, I think all these indie developers are worried about making a million dollars. I keep telling them that's not going to happen. Don't worry. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was like, hey, real talk, guys.
1: Yeah, real talk. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> someone ra- someone ran the number, is like it's like ninety eight percent of developers on the App Store make. Less than a million dollars, so like mm-hmm, the chances that you're going to be one of the few that make that gets you know into that territory. Chances are, if you can make a million, you're probably heading closer to two million. It's probably a very very small number of people that are anywhere near right on the edge of a million. um So yeah, and, and Apple could still alter this over time, but for right now, I'm just. You know, and all my friends, everyone I know, especially the ones that are kind of making their living on the app store specifically and not doing like extra contract work or whatever, yeah. they're more than happy to see that extra. It, it comes out to like twenty one percent of income that you end up winning, wow. uh, uh, because of the fifteen percent cut. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's great for them. I think it's great for us. Um, it's a win win for for everyone all all around.
0: So when you know you and I had, I think the last time you're on here might have been when we talked about Epic and Fortnite, when they, yep. they were kind of having that beef. And we had actually kind of thrown out the idea that, hey, you know, not that we expected anything to change, that we even said out loud, how about a 15% somewhere, <laughs> right? We're not going to expect like them to complain. It's so funny that it happened to land on 15%. Now, I'm not saying, there's no way I'm saying they listened to us, but <laughs> no, no, not going to go there. No. But do you think, and this is all speculation for fun, do you think, the whole epic situation had any influence on them at least reevaluating this and at least trying to, you know, even from a PR standpoint, win good faith with kind of that large majority of developers that can be vocal and kind of, like you said, they're throwing them a bone. But I'm wondering if you have any insight or thoughts on maybe what some of their motivations might have been for fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, just this is all for fun and purely speculation. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. really we don't know we're not into the mind of, of Tim Cook, but I like to imagine in my little head uh, that Tim Cook did this specifically so that you know this Tim, whoever he is from Epic would, would be fuming <laughs> because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to help. I'm going to help. This. You know what? You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Our our terms are a little onerous. Well, how about we how about this? We're going to we're going to go and do this great new deal and it'll affect everyone except you.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> right? really funny
1: and you know so there has to be some part of this that tickles you know tim cook ever so slightly but on a more serious note i do <laughs> think i do think that uh there wasn't extents to which the epic folks uh the guys from uh base camp right uh with hay they were starting to you know rile up developers to a large extent and i i have tons of arguments with my indie developer friends over this they feel very strongly that those people are on you know they're they're fighting for us and all this stuff and i'm like they're not interested in you at all that you know but the point is that there is a lot of negativity in the indie de- developer community, around surrounding this kind of thing, and the onerous app store terms, and blah blah blah, and I feel like this is an easy win for Apple to be able to like, let hey, me just throw some money at them, and they'll stop, you know, right, you know, lining up behind these other. Companies, And so I do think there's a little bit of influence there going on. I do think Apple figures this is a, a relatively inexpensive way for them to get a little more, you know, a little more polished on the Apple, if you will, <laughs> like get a, get, get a few of the smudges off that maybe they've garnished over the last you know couple of years of of these various different uh, cases that have come up. So I do I do think from a court of public opinion standpoint like I I, I think that's, that's that's a real possibility that this was part of the motivation. On the other hand they are losing a lot of money. I mean well a lot of money by our standards not by apple standards but sure. you know I I don't know how many millions or billions they're going to lose by giving us you know, fifteen percent instead of thirty. I know it's a lot cheaper than it would have been to give Epic half their money back.
0: So that's, uh, that's true too. That's
1: true. Too. <laughs> you know, but you know, it's still money that they have to. It, the Wall Street doesn't seem to have an issue with it. As far as I can tell, Apple stock price hasn't gone anywhere. Morgan Stanley, a few other of the the big Wall Street firms, basically said, "Yeah, we trust Apple. We don't think this is going to be a problem. It's not going to hurt the bottom line." Mm-hmm. So. I think Apple kind of is doing that calculus and realizing like, OK, we can do this. I don't know if it helps them in the courts only because it. I don't know if if Epic is going to back down because of this, because they didn't get anything out of it. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't I don't know what the long term game is, but I do feel like there definitely was a little bit of a Well, we're tired of getting all this hate. Why don't we turn around the, the message a little bit out there in publicly at least?
0: Yeah, I think it definitely turns the heat down because even when you reference the case with Epic that's going, you know, that will eventually, I, I think, I can't remember if it's supposed to happen like sometime like earlier, mid of next year, but you know, that, that argument that they're unfair to all developers kind of isn't there anymore. And that, that's a lot of what Epic was kind of riding on. Like these terms are so onerous that it's, and now a lot of those developers that might have been aligned with Epic may not be anymore from your experience. And I don't know what you've heard in your community. Are developers kind of like, oh, okay, I'm good now. Or what's the reaction to this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of them, I mean, at least my friends, most of them were basically, you know, over the moon happy about this. Mm-hmm. And again, in, in the realms of like, we never thought this would ever happen kind of a thing. I think that a lot of people still think there's more Apple could do. And I agree with that. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, you hand me a big gift, you didn't have to, uh, for at least a little while, I'm just going to be quiet and say, thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, So yeah, I, th- I think there is still a large part of the community that still thinks that, uh, you know, like sideloading and these other types of concessions uh, should be part of the of the conversation, I personally don't, but you know, it, it, we're we're a mixed group, and I, I I think for the most part, the overall impression has been that uh, developers are pretty happy. So I do think it had that effect. Uh, the desired effect from Apple that that basically you just gave me a 20 percent, 21 percent raise for next year, you know, yeah. and I, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to complain about that. Again, I think a few people are worried about making a million dollars, which I keep telling them is not going to happen. So don't worry. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if if you're making 100 grand, you know, great. You just you know you just added an extra 21 mm-hmm. grand to your mm-hmm. to your coffers. So. And I think it helps and Apple did make that as part of the stated reason in the press release for why they did this was basically like, hey, we know COVID's rough and, uh, you know, small businesses are having a hard time. So we want to help out. And it's like, okay, well, that's what you said in your press release. But I think the overall effect is that that actually will happen. I do think a lot of indie devs are going to get a little boost from this. And that's a good thing.
0: All right. Very good. Um, There's another kind of issue that is in your developer world and in the developer community and that's um apple and their app tracking transparency features now this is basically what recently happened is apple's been doing the rounds talking about the m1 and talking about you know the apps just overall just basically speaking about apple because there's a lot of energy around them and craig Federighi had recently kind of reinforced and defended apple's app tracking transparency feature so I was hoping, you know, since you are the developer brains, maybe you can tell people a little bit about it. And then, you know, again, I love kind of leaning on you as the expert here. And then I just kind of like ask a few questions about it, but just to get people to understand, because I think it benefits us. But it seems like some maybe larger companies don't like the idea of this app tracking transparency
1: yeah I mean it's one of those classic examples where Apple's trying to do the right thing and they are trying to protect the consumer uh, and sometimes when you want to protect the consumer you are you make it you make life difficult for developers mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, things that they're used to being able to count on information that they were able to count on in this case this identifier tracker like it was basically a a, a number that you would get uh, that would enable you to uniquely identify users mm-hmm. um, and that can that doesn't have to be nefarious right it's not like it's saying, "Hey, Brian Tong, who lives at this address, bought this app on this day and just pressed this button." Right? Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, you're not trying to track that. What you're really trying to do is say, "Like, hey, I put an ad on Facebook for my app, and I just want to see if it, it's working." Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a legitimate reason to want to track users. Right? The, like, you just want to track the effectiveness of your ads, or you want to track the effectiveness of uh, you know the things that you're doing. Uh, sometimes you just that information is very, very valuable. All kinds of things, like you know, uh, oh, they're using Bluetooth in this way, or they, they did, they are, they, they have their notifications on. That's great to know. That means I didn't, you know, abuse the notifications feature, right? So when Apple says like, uh, uh, you know, suddenly we're we're not going to give this advertising uh, identifier anymore, or we're going to pop up all of these uh, pop ups that come up to say like, hey, we're going to let the user know whenever you're using the clipboard because <laughs> right? they yeah, copied yeah, something yeah, from yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff is transparent. And I do think it follows in the spirit of what Steve Jobs said a long time ago about privacy, which is that it's not that we want to kill all ability to track or whatever. We just think that the person using the phone or whatever device has the right to know what's being tracked about them. Mm-hmm. Right. You can still turn these things on now. Is, is studies have shown that when you tell people what's actually going on, they do turn all this stuff off. Right. So <laughs> the reality is, people don't want to be tracked. They want the convenience of some of these features. They wants uh, they want to be able to open up Google on uh, you know on their phone and have it remember that they already searched for this kind. Of, or it, 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 they want their phone to know them as well as their computer does because they're using these things across. You know, the problem is that you know, there's always going to be people abusing it, and so you have to you have to balance that. And uh, I know Apple's providing some of their own frameworks for like okay, yeah, we we do want you to still be able to track and uh, you know, but do it anonymously and so we're building these tools, these transparency tools. And they're not always, you know, I mean Apple's idea of what what these companies need isn't necessarily lining up with what these companies think mm-hmm. they need. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a few versions out before that gets settled. There's probably you know quite a bit of stuff. There are probably holes in the functionality. In other words, uh, that are going to make things tough tougher for a little while. Um, but I still think it's a win for consumers. I think at the end of the day, uh, I think that I think our privacy has been abused for far too long. Yeah, and I know true. I know I know the attitude out there is like, well, people clearly don't care, right? They're they're opting into all these things. They keep using Facebook, knowing what they're doing. I don't think people really understand what's going on, though. I don't think they know the extent to which they're being tracked, and how, like, every time you swipe a credit card at a coffee shop, that that's going to lead to an ad in your inbox eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these kinds of things. Uh, again, I, I don't think everyone would necessarily be completely freaked out if they understood how it worked, but it, these are highly technical things that it's hard to explain that. So, you know, again, I, I, for the most part, I come down with Apple on these things. It, it's easy for me to say that because I've never been in a business where I really needed this kind of information all that much. You know, I tend to sell things for money <laughs> you know, that I don't need to, you know? Um, but at the same time, like I, di- I get it. I have a lot of friends in a lot of companies who are going to have to find workarounds for these kinds of things uh, that maybe aren't always as uh, ideal as as possible. So again, I hope Apple's listening. I hope that they focus on the user privacy, but while at the same time also acknowledge uh, that there are certain bits of information that are useful and can actually help consumers in the long run.
0: Is is the fear from some of your other developers that kind of rely on some of these hooks is that whenever someone like me is using an app and all of a sudden a pop-up says, this is oh this information is going to blah 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 that the user like me will be like oh i don't want to use this app anymore without even really realizing okay maybe it's something as mundane as this you are now going to be able to uh, anonymously be identified to help give a metric to this app developer even if it's just that seeing a pop-up that says not says warning but hey just to let you know you're sending this that are they more worried about that turning off someone like me from leaving their app and never coming back? Is is that kind of where the friction is?
1: I don't know. Yeah, I think I think a good number of people will simply leave the app. Uh, but I think also a good number of people will simply turn off that particular feature. Mm-hmm. And then they'll think they'll be working with an app that they think is broken. right? And now I, as the developer, have to test this scenario where this person turned off their Bluetooth or they turned off their whatever, which I should be doing anyway, mm-hmm. frankly. But uh, I remember back in the day, uh, as Facebook is back when Apple—I forget it was iOS—it was a very early version of iOS when Apple finally allowed you to turn on background refresh, uh-huh. uh, and it was a—it was a setting you could go into your settings and turn it off for certain apps. And I thought, well, I don't really need—I I only go on Facebook. This is back when I was actually on Facebook. Uh, you know, I only <laughs> go on this app. This was actually the the, 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 this was the very end of Facebook for me. Uh, I'm like, I only go on here like once a week anyway. I don't really need it to be refreshing in the background. I'll just turn that off. And I turned off background app refresh and the entire app just stopped working. Like every time I opened it, like it wouldn't refresh. It wouldn't do anything. It it, it was clear that no one at Facebook, they, they all assumed that no one would ever find that switch and turn it off. <laughs> so they didn't even bother testing what happens when you do that. And the app just completely malfunctioned. And I thought, wow, that. If it doesn't even occur to you that I might want to protect my privacy, maybe you're not a company I want to do business with, right? Mm-hmm. So you're right. That is a real danger that people can walk away from the app entirely when they see these things. On the other hand, there are legit reasons. Like a, a good friend of mine makes an app, uh, you know, that that uses the clipboard but it uses it in a great way. Like if you copy a piece of information from an email and then you open the app, it it uh, it says, oh, they have this thing on the clipboard. They probably wanted to paste it into this thing, right? And so it just automatically does that. And that's a convenience feature. That he's not bringing it up to a server somewhere. He's not like spying on you. It's just basically trying to do something conveniently. Like it's saving you having to tap down and hold it and then, yeah. and then press the paste button, right? That's that's a good reason, but like if you open the app and the very first time it says, "Hey, we just copied your clipboard," like you don't know why, you freak oh. out and you say, "I don't, ew, 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 what happened to this app?" Right? And it's like, well, so now we just have to do that much better a job, I think, of explaining, like, "Hey, by the way, we're going to copy your clipboard, and here's the reason why," and you know, people aren't well known for reading
0: a <laughs> <Right, so, laughs> present company included <laughs> right so
1: like, like you can
0: put up all the dialogue boxes
1: and you can put it into your onboarding sequence but as long as there's just that skip button people are just going to skip you know, right so mm-hmm. they're not going to read the details unfortunately they're just going to get freaked out for all the wrong reasons i mean i still know people that are completely freaked out about siri and are assuming that siri is listening all day long every day and just recording a transcript of their entire conversations with their <laughs> their families all day long they don't know right they don't understand like why that would be impractical to do to a billion people? <laughs> like yeah. Just the, the, the amount of data alone, you'd be sorry. Um, but you know that's so. I, I think this this technological stuff is hard. I think it's advancing very quickly, and I I, I think it's it's going to be a while before we can catch up. But I, I do think it's great that companies like Apple out there are at least thinking about this and making us think about it.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day, you would. I th- I don't think it should have that big of an impact but I think there's a fear that it'll have a bigger impact more than it might and that, that's what a lot of developers are worried about because for example if they if I get a, a few pop-ups on the key apps that I'm using I'm probably going to still use those apps I for example here's a great example although I hate it now with a passion Instagram has done so much to like basically turn me away from the app <laughs> Like they're basically saying F you, Brian. Like yes. we don't we don't care about you anymore. Oh, we're gonna put a shop button where your notification button was. Like, come on.
1: Yeah, and then that they is, had to the show they had to the show a little pop up saying your notifications yeah. moved. I'm like, well yeah. if you hadn't moved them, you wouldn't have to tell me you It's moved. just
0: it's just <laughs> brutal, right? They they want us to stop using the app. But yeah. there are certain apps <laughs> that become part of our collective kind of go to that I actually have been using it less thanks thanks to them, but I'm still using it. So right. There's part of human behavior that is we have now literally coded kind of some of our habits to these apps that no matter what pops up, it probably isn't going to stop us from using them.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I think a lot of companies have gotten away with that and have mm-hmm. leaned into, you know, apps that became like even something as simple as Dropbox. Like what I use Dropbox for is basically to have a folder full of files that I can count on being on all my yep. machines. Right. That's all I want out of it. Yep. But they want to you know, do photos and they want to do all these other <laughs> That's things. That's Right. And they keep adding all this stuff to the app. And it's like, I get it. You need more users. You, your stockholders are, are saying, like, okay, there aren't enough Joes out there who just want a file sharing. Right? They, you have to come up with something else. And it's like all of those extra features. It's like they don't care about me anymore because they already have me. And, and I'm not going to leave. You're right. Cause like, I, it's so reliable and it works so well. And I mean, I depend on it. I've got terabytes worth of data in, in my Dropbox. I'm not going to move on to something else anytime soon. They count on that uh, to grab new people in these other kinds of crazy ways, and yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate. Again, it's another one of those reasons why I'm 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 happy that Apple doesn't have that need, if you will. I mean, there is a, there is a certain extent. I mean, yeah, they're doing more and more services these days, and if the ads for these services can be a pain in the butt if you're not using them. Like ar- arcade ads will pop up all the time, but <laughs> you know, I mean, I just signed up for Apple One, so I'm good to go now. Like <laughs> I, I've got all of Apple services, so like,
0: I don't, yeah, I don't need to worry about that no more. (laughs) yeah so um before we wrap things up uh there's been i know i'm putting you on the spot there's been kind of a random rumor that maybe apple might drop one more thing before december Now, i'm not saying it's gonna be a big keynote announcement but for you personally if there was a product that you would like to see to be that hey little apple surprise before the end of the year what would that be for you
1: you know, I, I think this announcement about the developer program was, was more of an Apple hate surprise. <laughs> than, that was a gift that I never, uh, never saw coming. Uh, but I don't know, because, yeah, I, I've read these rumors, too. And they, they keep like, saying it's very Christmas specific, even. And I'm like, or you know, at least seasonally specific. I'm like, what the heck is Apple? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know the, the rumor of these Air Tags has been around forever. And I would, I still really am interested. I, I have a feeling that that product has maybe been ready for a while and it kind of played the victim like of covid and everything like if no one's out and about and doing things you know like maybe these things aren't as useful in this apple great point apple might want a better story around that um but that's the only thing i can think of that's rumored that could easily come out like like you said like they're not gonna do another keynote that did three of them already um and it's too close to the holidays. Really, to really catch on the holiday season. So I am I am absolutely baffled by this. I wouldn't be surprised if this is just like a prank by someone. Yeah, right, at this of course.
0: <laughs> I mean, how many times like, hey guys, Apple's releasing something in the last quarter of the year? Oh, thanks, right. thanks for the rumor. Yes.
1: Apple will have a new iPhone next <laughs> September.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? It just hit me. I, I think I know what they might release. Yeah, they they should bring back the uh, the iPod socks. Bring them, bring them back for iPhones.
1: iPhones. Oh my God, how awesome would that be? Yeah. Those
0: those socks for people that are really old school. I mean, they kind of hold a little special place in my heart. They really little do. Nano I still, socks.
1: <laughs> I still have a few of them. I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I still have them somewhere in, a, in like a box or something like that. Yep, yep. So, all right, Joe. Well, hey, you know what? Thank you so much for your time. Um, always appreciate. It. Again, let people know kind of where they can find your cool stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me on again. Always. Uh, yeah. So you can find uh, my design stuff at josie.design. You can also find my podcast, Release Notes, at releasenotes.tv.
0: Excellent. All right, man. We will talk to you soon. Enjoy the holidays if I don't at least talk talk to you before then. But uh, be healthy, be good, and we'll talk to you soon, Joe.
1: Yeah, same to you. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, man. All right, everybody. So there you go. I, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts for those of you who – I've been able to check out the new M1, whether it's the MacBook Pro 13, which is really what we talked about, the MacBook Air, the M1, Mac Mini, also HomePod Mini. Also, you know, we didn't even get to talk. I just think about, it, we didn't really talk about uh, Maco's Big Sur that much, at least from uh, from his thoughts on it. But there's a whole lot that you guys and gals can call. and Remember, all you got to do is call on AppleBitsShow at gmail.com. Name where you're from, what you want to talk about, I will include them. Trust me, I've got a few, but we need to kind of build them up. Also, you know, when we have great guest interviews, I think it's fun to always kind of listen and pick the brain and see what they have to say. Also, big thanks to our Platinum Apples at the Patreon Platinum Apple level. That's the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Konugsig. Thank you so much for your support thank you for all of you for your support i am continually grateful especially during these times you guys allow this content and all my content to happen um it's really a big deal and i thank you enough so if you want to be a part of it and if you haven't and you're tired of listening to ads patreon.com slash brian tong is where you need to go all right everybody that's gonna do it for this week we will be back next week same bat time same bat channel it's the apple bits xl baby we'll talk to you soon peace